Once again, good morning to you. I am thankful to be here this morning. I am thankful that we are indeed able together, together as a body of believers this morning. And I want to remind you as we begin this morning that the last time that I preached here on Sunday morning, I concluded the First Thessalonians sermon series. And one of the things that you might not have necessarily known that day was that I had already started praying, asking the Lord, where, where next? Where is next? What book should we start next? And I really believe that the Lord has sent me to Second Thessalonians to begin a new sermon series. And we are going to be looking specifically this morning, um, since we are nearing Thanksgiving, and this text just happens to address it, we're going to be looking at thankfulness. Specifically, being thankful in the midst of trials. And just as you hear that this morning, you might be even wondering, is that even possible? Is it even possible we could be thankful in the midst of trials? And the answer to that is yes. It is yes, and we'll get to that in just a few minutes. But I want to ask you to do something right now. Um... On Wednesday nights, Brother Blake and I alternate uh, who is preaching. And a couple of weeks ago when I preached, I remember saying this following statement or something very, very similar to this. is that when we open God's Word, when we take our copy of God's Word and we open it, I want you to feel like you're taking a step into it. Like you are taking a step directly into the Word of God. And you might be wondering this morning, and obviously I want you to do that. Every time that you open your Bibles, I want you to feel like that you are stepping directly off in the Word of God. And you might even be wondering this morning, how is that possible? Maybe you're listening on the live stream this morning. You might be thinking about right now, that sounds a little bit weird. But I want to remind you that it is definitely possible for many reasons, but I'm going to give you just a few of them. First of all, the Bible is in the inspired and the inerrant Word of God. We know that God's Word is alive. It's alive, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Those are some of the reasons why when we open our copy of God's Word that we can feel like we are taking a step directly into the Scriptures this morning. And every time we open God's Word, and I want you to know that is a prayer that I have for you this morning and every time that you open your copy of God's Word. Now, as we take a look at Second Thessalonians, we're going to be t- uh, covering the first chapter in its entirety this morning. I want you to know that we're going to still be talking about Paul. If you remember basically anything about the First Thessalonians sermon series, you know, we talked a lot about Paul. We're still going to be talking a lot about Paul. But I want to remind you in First Thessalonians that we saw a man who was very, very bold. Very, very bold. Now, although we're going to be still talking about Paul in Second Thessalonians, we start to see like a, a kinder, more gentle side of this very bold man. And you might be wondering, so why? Why would that happen? Why would this man who was so very bold in First Thessalonians, why would we see him be gentle now? And here's the answer. He knew these people were being persecuted for their faith. He knew they were under attack for their faith. And so we start to see him be a little more gentle with these people than he had for just 
the, the first, the book of first Thessalonians. Now, when we think about suffering and suffering for our faith, you remember you have heard both me and Brother Blake say before from this very pulpit that persecution is likely coming here if we live long enough and Jesus doesn't come back first, most likely we are going to see persecution right here in Greensburg, Kentucky. And I wonder when that happens, are we going to be willing to suffer for our faith? These people we're taking a look at this morning, they certainly were. Now we're going to see in this letter that Paul asked these people to continue to persevere. He asked them to continue to love. He asked them to continue to have faith. He asked them to continue to have good behavior toward others. And I wonder, do any of those things sound like things we should be doing today? Shouldn't, shouldn't we be doing those today? Shouldn't we be continuing to persevere? Shouldn't we be continuing to love? Shouldn't we be continuing to have faith? Shouldn't we continue to have good behavior toward others? And the answer to each of those questions is definitely yes. And then we're going to see that Paul reminds these people of something that he spent an awful lot of time on in the book of 1 Thessalonians, and that's the fact that Jesus is coming back. And the fact that it's going to come at a time that's unexpected. And I've got to ask you right at the very beginning this morning, are you ready for that to happen? Just as I ask you that question throughout the entire sermon series of 1 Thessalonians, I've got to ask you this morning, are you ready for Jesus to come back? Are you ready to stand before Him? And the answer is either yes or no. It's not a hope so. It's either yes or no. So as we begin to look at verses 1 and 2, we're going to be looking at two very important words uh, in, these, in these first two verses. And those words are grace and peace. And we're going to see that they're crucial. Now, I want to encourage you as you are reading, especially the letters in the Bible, it, it is awfully tempted sometimes to just completely skip over the greeting. What could be important in those greetings? You know, if we, if we were thinking about actually writing out a letter now, the part of the letter that we would be talking about would be the part that says, Dear Todd. And you might think that's not very important. But we can learn a lot that's important in these first two verses. First of all, the way they wrote letters, they identified the authors at the very beginning. So we're going to see that Paul was working with Sylvanius and Timothy. And then this letter is written to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you might be wondering, why are those things important? Why would those things be important? But when we are talking about that it's written to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, first of all, it's written to a specific group of people. And then it points out that they are in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It gives us a snapshot of what the local church is supposed to look like. These two verses, we can tell what the local church is supposed to look like. But you know, when you think about it, y'all come from all different places. Generally, this area, Greensburg, Green County, Campbellsville, Taylor County, Columbia, Adair County, and probably more that I have failed to mention this morning, but you all come from, generally, this same area. You come into this place 
to be fed, to worship, to fellowship, right? A bunch of other things. But we don't stay here. We don't stay in this building 24-7. And one of the beautiful things about a church is that you leave this place and you go out and live your faith in front of a world that does not know Jesus. Are you living your faith every day? Now, unless the church is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, you're probably not going to desire to go out and live your faith in front of others. But I pray that that's exactly what you're doing. And then in verse 2, we get to these two important words that I want to talk about for just a minute. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. So this verse says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Two very, very powerful words when we're thinking about grace and peace. And I wonder, can we be real for just a minute and admit to ourselves that likely those two words are things that we all struggle with from time to time. We want grace. We especially want grace if we've goofed up, don't we? We want grace when we have said something unkind, when we have done something that we shouldn't have done. We want grace. But are we just as eager to give that grace to others? Are we just as eager to give that? Now, when we're thinking about grace, I want you to realize that what we're talking about, it's something that's a gift that you can't work for to earn. It's something that's given freely. You cannot work to earn grace. And when we're talking about God's grace, we've got to realize specifically that it covers everything. God's grace covers everything. Perhaps you're here this morning and you've fallen into that trap of the enemy where you think, I've done so much, there is no way that Jesus could ever fix me. That's a lie directly from Satan. There is absolutely nothing that is greater than God's grace. And I wonder this morning, have you experienced that? Are you experiencing God's grace this morning? And you know what? I want you to know that when we are talking about God's grace, God is able to give that grace. But sometimes if we will think about it, we hinder His grace in our lives. And you might be wondering this morning, how do we do that? How do we, how could we possibly hinder God's grace in our lives? One of the ways that we do it is by habitual sin. When we allow that to stay in our lives and we are not willing to do anything at all about it, we're not willing to change. I want you to know God's grace is not a license to sin, folks. It is not a license to sin. Now we can also hinder God's grace when we refuse to answer His call. When we know that He is telling us to do something and we decide we're just not going to do it, that's going to be a painful time for you. It will not be fun. But that is another way that we can hinder God's grace. And I want to encourage you, be obedient when the Lord asks you to do something. Now, when we're thinking about peace, so often we look for peace in all the wrong places. We really do look for peace in all the wrong places. We are searching for it. We all want peace. But I want to take you back to the account when Jesus spoke those words. Three very, very important words. 
he simply said, peace be still. Peace be still. Now, if we're being honest with each other this morning, we all want that. We all want him to speak those words in our lives right now. We're all dealing with something. Every one of us is dealing with something right now. And we would really like for it just to go away. I want to encourage you to look to the cross. He is the only one. Jesus is the only one that can provide true peace. And if you're looking anywhere other than the cross, you are not going to find peace that is eternal. You're not going to find peace that is going to truly satisfy. Now, when we look at verses 3 and 4, we're going to be looking at Thanksgiving. Particularly at, you know, how could I be thankful in the midst of a trial. How could I do that? Now, if you know me very well at all, you know that I absolutely love Thanksgiving. I love everything about Thanksgiving. And I think one of the reasons that I've always loved Thanksgiving is that it's not about any type of expectation of a gift. It's not. And unfortunately, Christmas for many people have come about, it's all about giving a gift instead of why we're celebrating in the first place. But I think one of the reasons that I have always loved Thanksgiving is it's not about giving a gift. It's about being able to pour yourself into people, generally those people that you love the very most. And I wonder this morning, shouldn't we be able to do that each and every day? Should it take one day a year that we devote to that? Shouldn't it be each and every day? And the answer to that is, yes, it should be each and every day. And we're going to be looking in the text in just a moment to see that there was thankfulness going on in the midst of some pretty rough stuff going on. And I just want to set the scene for you this morning about how this can apply to our lives today. Because, you know, I, I was speaking to a group of people on Tuesday night of this week, and I made the following statement. If somebody had told me 12 months ago that something called the coronavirus was going to appear and it was going to basically stop the world, I would not have believed them. I would not have believed them. But that's exactly what we've seen happen. That's exactly what we've seen happen. None of us signed up for this. I didn't sign up for it, neither did you. We did not want to deal with the coronavirus. We did not want to do that. Or at least I can't imagine that any of you signed up for that. I sure didn't. But you know, as we go through all this stuff of dealing with the coronavirus, it's easy to get bitter. Because let's face it, life as we know it has changed. What we used to consider just a day-to-day normal daily activity, it's like none of that exists anymore. And it's so easy to be bitter. We want it to be like it used to be. And folks, we're probably a long ways from that right now. A long ways from that. Or perhaps this morning, you or your families had to deal with the dreaded C word, cancer. You might wonder, how could I be thankful for cancer? How could I be thankful for cancer? Maybe you've experienced a death in your family. Somebody that you love dearly. You might be wondering, how could I possibly be thankful in the midst of a situation like that? You can. 
you can be. I want us to look at a few key things in this verse. First of all, I want you to realize that if you are thinking I've got nothing to be thankful for, if, you, if that thought has ever entered your mind, I've got nothing to be thankful for this year, I want to tell you you've fallen in the trap of the enemy. You have because if you are in Christ, we have got the same thing to be thankful for today as we did 12 months ago. And that is the fact that Jesus saved a sinner like me and like you. That should be the source of our thankfulness. If we are looking as our source for thankfulness in material things, so much has changed. But as we begin to look at verse 3, Paul starts to say, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as it's right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Now, when we look at this, we can easily read this verse wrong. It almost looks like that Paul is praying this out of obligation to these people because of two things that's happened. Now, Paul is praying this out of obligation, but it's a debt he has before God. That is the reason that he's doing that. But I want, I want you to realize that these people are going through stuff, some bad stuff, stuff that's worse than the coronavirus. It's what these people were experiencing. And look what had happened. In the midst of all that, your faith is growing abundantly. And the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Now, I want you to let that sink in for just a minute. These people are going through some bad stuff. And in the midst of all of that, in the midst of all of that, their faith is growing, not not just a little bit. Their faith is growing abundantly. And the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Now, I've got to ask you a question. As you go through trials, is that what happens to you? As you experience trials in this life, can you say that your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing? And maybe you find it hard to believe that these people even were able to do that. I want to show you why they were able. I want to take you back to some of the closing verses from the First Thessalonians sermon series. Chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Rejoice always even when you're persecuted, even when you're going through the coronavirus, even when somebody's diagnosed with cancer, even when somebody dies. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Remember, there's a big difference in giving thanks in all circumstances and giving thanks for all circumstances. Obviously, we're not thankful for the circumstance itself, but we can give thanks in it. And why should we do that? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now when we take a look at verse 5, we're in the verses that follows, we are going to be talking about some righteous judgment 
And I'm going to read verse 5 and the next two verses that follow all together. Listen to what God's Word says. This is evidence of the righteous judgment, righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Now, when we look at verse 5, we start talking about this concept of righteous judgment. Righteous judgment. And it is, we, we could talk about righteous judgment for the rest of this sermon. We really could. But we're not going to today. We don't have time to do that. But I want you to know that we have a God who will judge and he will judge righteously. And, and I want to be sure that you understand when you look at this verse that because of the, of the fact that these people were suffering, that doesn't necessarily indicate that that was the righteous judgment. Most likely that's not what it is at all. But they, these people were suffering with strength. And because they were doing that, most likely it was the believer's ability and their power to persevere and to stand in the midst of these trials that were, was the evidence of pointing to God's judgment in the first place. You know, they knew the truth of the gospel. Their lives had been transformed and they knew where their future was. And that's the thing that I want you to concentrate on this morning. You know, so often as we're going through stuff, we have, we have the inclination a lot of times to focus on the immediate circumstance as opposed to focusing on what we know is to come. If you're in Christ, there's something far better coming when Jesus calls you home than anything that you're going through right now. And I want us to look at verses 6 and 7. And we're, we're talking about God being just in these two verses. And if, if, we, if we really take time to read these verses, it, it's sort of scary, actually. When, when we read these two verses, God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you. I wonder, have you ever afflicted anybody? Have you ever caused anybody to, to suffer needlessly. God's got to repay with affliction for that. And he's got to grant relief to that person who has been afflicted. It may not happen until the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. But it's going, it's going to happen. And you know, one of the things that I want us to talk about this morning is we serve a just God. We do. We serve one that's going to judge. I don't know if you've ever been involved in a situation or not when you are talking to somebody who has got obvious sin in their life and they're not willing to change. Most of the time, 
they will point out, hey, only God can judge me. Only God can judge me. And, you know, as, as you probably know, that's not theologically sound to make a statement like that. But you can rest assured, yes, God is going to judge. God is going to judge. And I wonder, are we ready for that to happen? So many times, so many times, it seems like people can do almost anything they want to and get by with it. And then the people who are trying to live by the Word of God experience the problems. I've got a friend who is a pastor in western Kentucky. His name is Ian Carrico. And I heard him say one day this week that God sits high. God sits high, but He sees low. He sits high, but He sees low. And you know, when you think about that, there's nothing that happens that God doesn't see. Not one thing happens that God doesn't see. And we can take comfort in the fact that He's going to deal with it. We simply have to trust Him and be obedient to what He asks us to do. And it will be worth it in the end. In verses 8 through 10, we see Him continue just to describe this in flaming fire inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see in this verse he calls out two groups of people. The first is those who do not know God, and the second is those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. So I wonder when we think about that this morning, which group? Are are we in either of those groups? Are you in the group of people this morning that don't know God? If you are, I've got some good news for you. That can be settled this morning. It can be settled right now if you do not know God. And then the second group of people are those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I certainly hope that you haven't fell into that trap either. Going back and talking about the judgment of God, because he, he is just, He is going to judge. And He will judge fairly. And for, for those times when we hear those comments, don't judge me, only God can do that, I want to remind you of some scripture that talks about the wrath of God. Romans 1, 18 through 20, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse." And then Hebrews 10.31 says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Rest assured, He's going to judge. He's going to judge justly. How's that going to be for you when you stand before Him face to face because judgment day is coming. And when we close, I want us to take a look at verses 11 and 12. Remember, these people are experiencing hardships Paul closes chapter 1 by reminding these people, by telling these people that he's praying for them. Now, he doesn't just say, I'm praying for you. 
He tells them specifically how he is praying. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing if the Lord leads you to do that. If the Lord gives you an opportunity to tell someone specifically how you're praying for them, tell them. It will mean something to them. But look look how Paul prays for these people. Number one, that our God may make you worthy of his calling. Number two, and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. And look at this, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace There's that word again. Of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now remember that grace is something, it's a gift that's freely given. It's not something that you can earn. Remember that God's grace covers absolutely everything. I wonder this morning, has it covered you? Do you need God's grace this morning? The answer is yes. All of us need grace. God's grace. Maybe this morning there's a particular area of your life that you need God's grace on right now, something specific. I want to invite you to come forward during the invitation. Let us pray with you. Or you don't even have to tell us anything. Just pour your heart out to Jesus. He's the one that can do something about it. Maybe you've got a situation in your life where you know that you need to extend grace to someone else and you haven't done it to this point. Maybe you need to come get that straightened out between you and Jesus so you can straighten it out with that person. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Christ at all. If that's the case, you need to come forward. You need to give your heart to Him. This may be the last opportunity that you have. It may be the last opportunity that you have. Young people die all the time, folks. You might think, I've, I've still got... 50 more years to live of my life. You don't know that. You do not know that. Your life might end today. It does for children all of the time. I talked to one of my friends whose daughter died a few months ago. And when I went to that funeral visitation, I said, you know, this is one of those things we're not going to understand as long as we're on this earth. We're not going to understand it. There there was no logical reason for that person to die other than they caught cancer and died. And they responded with the following statement that I don't think I will ever forget. They said, you're exactly right. We're not going to understand it while we're here. But when we get to heaven, it won't matter anymore. It won't matter. It won't even matter anymore that we have gone through Things like that. Because what will matter then is Jesus. That is what will matter. And I wonder, do you know him today? Do you know him today? Please don't leave this place if the answer is no. We want to pray with you. Maybe you know that God is calling you to move your membership here. If that's the case, we invite you to come forward during the invitation. We'll be glad to take care of that as well. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your grace. Father, I thank you for being the loving God that you are. But Father, I also thank you 
for being the just God that you are. Father, I pray, I pray that you will move throughout this sanctuary right now. Lord, I pray that, that you will give people the ability right now to know what it's going to be like to stand before you face to face. And Lord, I pray that if there's decisions to be made here in this place this morning, that today will be the day. Lord, we know that your word tells us that today is the day of salvation and that now is the appointed time. Lord, I pray that we will not take that for granted. Lord, I pray that we will see you do great and mighty things in this place today. And I pray that you and you alone will receive the praise, honor, and glory for it all. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.